Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Faith in $5. $5, six countries, four months, and a one-way ticket to southern Russia. This is a book about faith, obedience, and miracles by Jonathan Nowlin. I hope you enjoy this reading of Faith in $5. Chapter 7. Stepping into the Unknown. Our miraculous story continued as we headed back to Krasnodar. It was almost time for us to move out of our little hidden-away house and fly to St. Petersburg to join the rest of our team. We couldn't believe so much had happened in two short months. As this was the first time any of us had been sent out on an assignment like this, we were amazed at how the power and purposes of God could be accomplished through such unlikely people. One of my favorite life scriptures has been, and still is, in Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul refers to us as weak and foolish things. Even now, after two decades of full-time Christian service, I still realize that it is only the power of God working in me and through me that accomplishes these kingdom purposes. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.27, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Praise God that he chooses us and makes us wise and makes us strong in him. Some people ask me, how do you feel confident or able to handle these very risky situations? God speaks to this clearly in his word through the Apostle Paul when he says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. If a person has survived their walk in the impossible, or we could say in the valley of the shadow of death, they usually come to the realization that they in themselves are not sufficient. God can and does provide all sufficiency in everything for every good deed. Don't let feelings of inadequacy hinder you from obeying and stepping out in faith. You will find that God is happy to choose the weak and foolish things of the world and make them sufficient. This is how the world often sees the glory of God expressed. God receives all the glory and praise when people see very average people accomplishing above-average things that are far beyond the reach of their own strength or ability. Allowing yourself to live as a conduit for God's greatness makes you a living testimony to the power and nature of God. Over the years, I have often, if not most of the time, found myself responsible for ministries or efforts that I was never really trained for or prepared for. Often these situations and leadership roles were far above my pay grade, so to speak. I chose to step out in faith and obey in these responsibilities that the Lord had set before me. And in so doing, I saw profound fruit and success that was obviously in no way attributable to my own skills or abilities. The outcome was always that God received the glory and praise for what He accomplished. 
It is a joy and extremely reaffirming to our faith in Christ when it is obvious, even to ourselves, that only He could have done this. Praise be to God. The next phase of our journey required a long flight from Krasnodar to St. Petersburg. This was one of the flights Mike had purchased with loan money from his bank in England at the very beginning of our adventure. Many flights were extremely cheap in those days in the former Soviet Union. Often a flight might cost under $100 to fly to most destinations. The only airline at that time that flew domestically within Russia and also between Russia and the former republics was Aeroflot. Now these tickets that Mike's travel agent in England had secured for us on Aeroflot were abnormally cheap. As we were not in a financial position to be choosy about our flights, we took what we could get. Not only did Aeroflot have a reputation for being incredibly cheap, but it also had a reputation for being the most dangerous airline in operation in the world. These are the kinds of risks we faced, but we were confident that the Lord would protect and preserve us. This particular Aeroflot flight put our faith to the test. As we walked out onto the tarmac towards a very large plane, we began to have some reservations. To begin with, the plane had no steps or boarding ramps up to the external doors. As we walked up to and eventually underneath the rear of the plane, the flight attendants motioned for us to climb up a ladder that was conveniently positioned sticking out of a cargo door near the bottom of the fuselage of the plane. We had to haul all our luggage up this ladder system and into the cargo area of the lower deck of the plane. Once we had deposited our luggage in a pile, we climbed up some narrow stairs into the passenger compartment. Further reservations set in when we found our seats in a completely empty plane. There was one other person, a man sitting far up to the front of this aircraft, which must have been designed to seat 200 or more persons. The three of us sat in our own row a good distance back from the front and looked around at this surreal situation. There appeared to be no one in charge of this plane, and why in the world were there no other passengers on board? The plane began to taxi suddenly, and we began to laugh nervously, anticipating that something strange was afoot. As the plane took off, a roar of wind came through two of the emergency exits behind us. The plane quickly leveled off at only about 9,000 feet and proceeded to fight its way at low speed through the dense lower atmosphere. As the plane shuddered and shook violently, we realized all of a sudden why the plane was traveling at this low altitude. The plane was not able to pressurize. No wonder the seats were less than $50. We learned later that the plane was on its way to St. Petersburg to be repaired. Then, to make matters more uncomfortable, the only flight attendant on board was an angry, middle-aged woman who forced us to accept the only drink that was available on the plane and drink it. She served us a mysterious green liquid from a silver punch bowl into plastic cups. We tried to object, but she angrily insisted that we partake of this refreshment. It was awful. To make matters worse, we had previously observed her handing large bottles of Russian beer to the pilots after takeoff. Sometimes all you can do is pray and laugh. We made it to St. Petersburg three hours late due to slow airspeed and low altitude, but we made it in one piece. Finally reaching St. Petersburg and meeting up with the rest of our team was a mixed blessing. It was amazing to be in such a beautiful city and then to be with our team as we headed out of town to conduct a series of discipleship camps. This is what we had planned and anticipated for months. The only downside was that God had told Faith that after we left St. Petersburg, she was not to pay for our basics like food or housing any longer. 
So obediently, she cut us off after we left St. Petersburg. Someone had given me $20 during our time in southern Russia, and I had carefully guarded it. I was down to about $17 of that $20 by the time I was financially on my own again. Fortunately, for the duration of the camps, our food and housing were paid by the programs. The camps went quite well. Our team had a lot of fun together, and everyone was excited about the vision and the impact we were having in the lives of these young believers. In fact, many students who attended the camps were not yet saved, so we had the privilege of walking with them as they came to repentance and entered the kingdom of God. We had all begun to truly love these young people with a depth of love and care that only God could produce in us. It was a love far beyond mere compassion or sympathy motivated by human need. We developed spiritual eyes to see these students the way God sees them. We began to see their potential and to see them as Christ knew they could be. New creatures in Christ Jesus, justified, healed, and completely transformed from individuals hardwired to sin to children of God who are hardwired for righteousness. What a joy to see the transformation happen right in front of us. It shouldn't have been so surprising to us, but often as we grow older in the Lord, we forget what we were like before we believed and were transformed. I remember clearly when I went through this experience in my own personal salvation. When I came to Christ in full repentance and humility at the age of 13, I woke up the next morning as a very different person. One of the most pronounced changes I observed immediately in myself was that whereas prior to my repentance I had a propensity for and a stronghold of anger in my life, afterward I suddenly found that I had been completely delivered from anger and rage. After my conversion, it actually became difficult for anyone to make me angry for any reason. The day after I became a Christian, I wandered into the kitchen and asked my mom if there was anything I could do to help her. She stood there shocked and asked me, who hit you with a nice stick? I mentioned casually that I'd accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior last night, and that was all. Obviously, I had not been prone to voluntarily offering to serve in our family kitchen prior to my conversion, but now it just came naturally. What an amazing transformation we undergo when we become followers of Christ. It was equally amazing to see the immediate recreation of the nature, emotions, and choices of these students who attended our camps. When our camps were completed in St. Petersburg, it was time to head to Latvia, where we had scheduled three more weeks of similar camps. Our train slowly pulled out of the tiny border station, and we were able to enter Estonia. We were more than grateful and very encouraged in our faith by the way God had orchestrated our exit from Russia. We were convinced that the Lord had quietly brought us through the first impossible hurdle of the trip by bringing confusion and disagreement among the Russian border guards. They became so frustrated at not being able to communicate their initial intention of tossing us off the train that they finally decided to let us take our chances with the Latvians. It was a long, late-night ride as we crossed through Estonia in our classic Soviet train car. These train cars were the height of 1960s elegance. Some were in poor condition, but many were actually well-maintained and gave me the feel of being a time traveler who had found myself back in the heady days of post-World War II communist heyday. As the train began to slow for our stop at the Latvian border, we readied ourselves and steadied ourselves for what we thought would be a certain and short trip to a border prison. The train seemed to slow for an eternity, creeping up to the border, closer to our unknown fate. Finally, we came to a jolting stop at the border. We were all nervous. 
Quickly, we organized all team members into groups, separated into different compartments according to who had visas and who did not. All of us who did not have visas expected to be arrested and had begun to prepare. I had been in the Boy Scouts for a very short yet eventful period of time. One of the things I learned there was the Boy Scout motto, be prepared. So I began loading my cargo pant pockets with stashes of granola bars, fruit, even a jar of peanut butter. I thought at least we won't starve. In our room full of likely candidates for incarceration, only one with unwavering faith remained on her bunk bed and refused to even put on her shoes. She continued to voice her calm opinion that we were not going to jail. I wasn't so convinced. Sure enough, the dreaded process began with the military boarding the train at the very front. They slowly progressed through the train cars, thoroughly checking all documents and visas. You have to give Latvia credit. They were one of the first Soviet satellite republics to really get their country back on track after the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Border security was back, law and order was being instituted on many levels, and civil society was actually beginning to function again. Unfortunately, this all materialized at the worst possible time for us. We had no idea they had made so much progress and changed so many things in the last two months. As we sat anticipating the arrival of the Latvian military, listening intently to the yelling, screams, crashes, and fighting that drew ever closer, we began to pray quietly. My Latvian friend, the girl who had been in my discipleship program in the USA, tried to encourage us by letting us know she would stick with us and negotiate on our behalf for the best possible outcome. The soldiers eventually arrived at our car and then our compartment and proceeded to pound on our door. As we opened the door, we saw the usual formation of two men with machine guns aimed at us and a high-ranking commander standing in between them. Documents. The commander barked at us in Latvian. He, along with the other soldiers, was in a seriously bad mood. The three of them had just literally fought their way down the train and had detained many people as they enforced this new visa and entry policy. Documents, he ordered again. We handed over our passports, and my Latvian friend began in earnest to explain our situation and plead for mercy for us. A heated and lengthy negotiation followed. I could tell things were not going well. Finally, she turned to us with her hands up in the air and said, I've done all I can do. Now you're going to jail. This was not the outcome we had hoped for. I remembered all the miracles along the way on this trip, all the protection and all the provision. We thought, surely... This God story would not end with us abandoned in some remote Latvian jail. We slowly accepted our fate and gathered our belongings. Follow me, the commander said, this time in Russian. I was the first to fall into line as we proceeded down the train car hallway behind the commander. The rest of my visa-less teammates fell in behind me, and the two soldiers with guns brought up the rear. We began making our way down the hallway, headed for the door, and then on to who knows what fate. Suddenly, God intervened. The commander stopped unexpectedly, directly in front of me, and spun around aggressively. He had spoken no English up to this point and had made no effort to communicate with us directly. He had chosen instead to communicate through our Latvian friend. He still had our passports in his hand, and he faced me with the passports held up in the air. In perfect English, he said, I will let you in the country. I hope they let you out. The commander then motioned to his soldiers to let us pass back to our compartment, and he and the soldiers quickly exited our train cars. We stood there in shock, 
What had just happened? Our Latvian friend stood with eyes wide open and a dumbfounded look on her face. She was the first one to come to her senses and she ordered us to move quickly back to our compartments. We got in the room and crawled into our bunks. She said, turn off the lights, close the curtain, and don't make a sound until this train is moving. We dutifully obeyed. We could hear the commander and the soldiers enter the train car directly behind ours and begin the process of arresting people and dragging them off the train. There was no one but the Lord who could rescue us in the middle of such a certain fate. We were in Latvia. We had made it through a hair-raising close call once the train started moving and we were flying along the tracks towards the capital city, Riga, we started to celebrate. Needless to say, we had a considerable worship and praise time in our little train car room. For many years after this particular incident, I wondered to myself, was that just a fluke situation? Maybe other people were given leniency by these soldiers too. It's hard to know in situations like these what was going on, both in the heavenly places and in natural processes of man. Nearly five years later, I received an answer to these wonderings while in a conversation with an American missionary who had worked for many years in Russia. We were in Colorado at the time of our discussion, and he had brought his family with him on this visit. There were at least five people in their family, including children. We were sitting around, casually swapping stories of faith, adventures, and God stories that we had experienced in Russia. In the course of our conversation, I shared with him this story of entering Latvia miraculously without visas. He became acutely quiet as I shared the story, and then in seriousness he asked, When was that? He began to figure out the details of the date, time of day, departure city, type of train, etc. Within about 15 minutes of investigation, he said, We were on that train. He and his family had been on our very same train on the very same night coming out of Russia and heading to Latvia. He and his family had been living and serving in Siberia for two years, and they were on their way back to Europe for a furlough. He went on to explain in a somewhat agitated manner that they also did not have visas, and they did not know about the change in the law when they boarded the train. They had gone through the same experience we had, except that he and his entire family had been arrested and held in a Latvian jail for two weeks, beginning that very same night. He didn't know whether to be excited about what the Lord had done in delivering us from arrest or to be angry about what they had to endure. What we both agreed on was that only the Lord could have rescued our team that night if even he and his little children were detained by the same soldiers. Hearing my friend's story cleared up any remaining doubts I had as to the nature of the escape that had been provided for us on that train. I learned that night on the train that nothing is impossible for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.